This is the Sports Chronicle podcast. Hey, I'm Jenny Murphy. I'm with the Sports Chronicle. I'm an Irish women's rugby player, and I'll be speaking to one of my best friends, Irish superstar Louise Quinn. Hi, I'm Louise Quinn, and I play with the Irish soccer team. Um, do you want to tell people how we how we met? Yeah, so I suppose when it would have been our school days, secondary uh, school, secondary school, and I was in Newbridge College. You were in Kilcullen. Let me just like so Newbridge College is like the slightly posher, posher school. Yeah, exactly. More yeah, yeah. CPC. Yeah, yeah. wasn't yeah. still a great school though. Yeah, like so we used to play yeah. soccer. Played soccer and then that was it. We just we played against each other in the schools and didn't like each other. No, because we were two of the better players in the school football, so we always just used to compete against each other. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I think you're being kind of nice. Like we had a we had a better team as a whole. No offense to the Newbridge, but there was like Louise, true, yeah. who was still representing, or your international at that stage. Well, yeah, underage, and yeah. then there was other girls on the team who like didn't want to head the ball. And then we were like a team of solid, average mm. kind of players. Average scores were about 10-1. Yeah, to great. To Cullen. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but then that was it. And then it was through another friend that then played. So I played a P-Man when I was about 13. And then through another friend that was in Kilcullen, you then joined Piemont. You were about 14 or 15. Yeah, 15. And, we still, and we still didn't talk. Like Just the way Jenny played rugby, and imagine she was an absolute disaster. Yeah, imagine. You know, football. yeah, our coach was uh, very much like, you know, pass the ball, but it was very much punt the ball as long as possible sort of football. But the I aggression, the tackles, mm. your no fear basically and so everyone then feared her because she had no fear but then she'd knock them to the ground and then apologize profusely and pick them up and pat them on the head and then run off mm. yeah it was so, great mm? there was no finesse did pima get very pima got very serious for, your, for yourself and you captained the team and all that to higher levels but w when jenny was still playing which is mm. what levels did you reach um like treble? At the, yeah we treble and we won the all ireland uh, that was where was that played? I I missed that game actually. I that was in, was in uh, that was in Galway. We played against Galway mm. United. So some of the girls on the Irish team now still were playing with Galway United. And I thought we would have had like Steph, Anya. Um, I think Katie was on the bench as well. Yeah, Katie yeah. Taylor was still in around at that stage. And then sure that qualified us into Champions League. Then after that, so because Jenny plays down her football background. Um, Rightly so. <laughs> she had, there, was, there was genuine potential there, or were you happy to see her go into her other sport, where she belongs? No, like, there obviously, yeah, there always was potential, believe it or not. I always, maybe I didn't let on that there was, but there definitely was. Mm. Um, and, ag yeah, again, just, like, all the aggression and the, the will to win, and then it was just, like, when you were going off to, to college then and then saying that she was then saying she wasn't playing football anymore and I was just like I was shocked and she was like yeah I'm just gonna they're just mm. not very good over in England so I'm just gonna I, play some I definitely I definitely didn't there were it was a oh, not very good it or was you just a social didn't. team like they smoked at half time <laughs> and you know that 
I just didn't like. I was like, I'm putting in all this effort, and not that you you play for success, mm. but you still, yeah, you do. Actually, that's that's a complete lie. You, you play for the joy of it, and then, but you also want all these little things around as well. Like you, mm. like with Pmate, one of the the best memories was winning all those trophies with your friends, mm. and yeah. So, I guess when I saw the rugby team, and it was. They appreciated the traits that I was good at. Not like not that soccer didn't or Gaelic didn't, because I dragged her into Gaelic playing with my local team. So she's Wicklow, um, and she played with Kilcoll and hadn't ever played before. And like her past, past her dad plays for Wicklow or used to play for Wicklow. Yeah, when was that? When did he play for Wicklow? Yeah, in like the like late and early eighties. And like going going through there, and he, you know, he loves it. He would still, even when I'm going into big games now, he's like, back when I used to play with Wicklow, <laughs> and I'd be like, go on, tell me the story. What did you do? And he, yeah. Oh God, he loves it. But that's that was thing. She dragged me into Gaelic one time, and we had a really important. Was it the semi final yeah. of the All Ireland? The quarter of the semi, we had to travel to Mayo the next day, and our coach Ilo was like. You aren't allowed to play this game, and we were like, right. And I was only just starting. Like, right, trying to play this game. Jenny was like, I'm gonna play the game. And I was like, oh, okay, right. And like, I was there, and I was then. It was one of my first games, so I was just not starting. And five minutes into the game, mm. absolutely bust her shoulder in the first five minutes, and I was like, oh, dear. Your no. P-man coach had told you is not to play, yeah. Just because, like, she was like, just, you know, because we need you fresh and good. Because the game was a couple of days later, and then it was, and then I, like, you know, it was that I more than likely wasn't going to play, because it was mm. basically, I'd done maybe one training session. I had to go on for her then. In midfield. With, <laughs> in midfield, with the fear. I had the fear. I was, first of all, obviously panicked about her and what Isla was going to do, and then I had to go on in centre mid, not even knowing half of these girls. And you had to... I can remember there was a throw-in ball and you could clearly see someone have to explain to Louise what was happening. So I was like, oh God. And then I was in a bit of pain, but also the fear of being like, if anything happens to Louise, mm-hmm. Eileen Gleason will kneecap me. <laughs> like I am dead. Like I wasn't, I was, I was defensive and I, I, I was fine. I was like a decent player, but like if, if she got injured, that would have been serious trouble. So, yeah. But that, but that was it. We travelled down to Mayo and then even that, you played the game for the first half, but any time she'd get into a tackle, she would actually go down needing to get sick because you were in that much pain. Yeah. yeah but we, it was karma on us because like the week before, there was like plaster Paris or stuff at my house. Remember Viv had it for like an art project? Oh, and so we put a cast on Jenny's wrist and like went to training. Thought, thought it was hilarious. Like thought it was really funny. Like I love can't play, and she nearly ripped <laughs> it off me and beat me with my own cast. She's yeah. But then a week later, she put her shoulder. Oh, and wait, we deserved so it. Did you win the semi? You went, You won all Ireland, didn't you? <coughs> yeah, that was the yeah. year. And you couldn't play for Piedmont then. No, um, it was because we had a there was a there was a yeah. there was a good gap. I think there was like a three week gap at least. And. Yeah. Yeah, I had to. I think I had to strap up the shoulder and stuff. But mm. I, d- I remember that wasn't the most. 
pleasant of games no. to, to play. But no. Speaking of injuries, we won't stay on this too long. You've had a few, and at the moment you're coming back from a torn double meniscus and ACL, Jenny. Yeah. And I'd like you to compare notes then with your injuries, Louise, in comparison. Talk to us about where you are at in your rehab. Um, so two days ago, I got my brace off for the first time. So it was it's nearly four months since I've got injured. Um, brace off, so got, and I've got the skinniest my legs have ever been since I was probably 10 years old. Um, but I'm allowed back in the gym now, kind of tipping away with stuff. Um, so I can kind of see I've got over, I think, the worst of it. I know that with these kind of injuries, you're not always making gains in the right direction and there's going to be, there's going to be, it's a, it's a roller coaster of an injury. That's what, from speaking to people that I've been talking to with similar kind of, that, that have sim suffered similarly, um, but I'm in a good place right now and yeah, have small goals in mind and then, yeah, but looking forward to, to being like able to walk up the stairs and stuff like that and I can't wait to ditch the crutches. So I'm walking around to the gym now with, with my crutches still, but like hopefully in a couple of weeks I can go down to one and then walk my own two feet. So yeah, I've been relatively lucky, especially in my adult life. Um, where so I think when I was like 15, 16, I did fracture my hip, which then would have left me out for a good nine, ten months. Um, and that was just like that was just doing everything too much. I got a stress fracture that I didn't really know about and like had even stopped playing at that stage and then was just like and that was going with playing with P-Mount so much, playing hockey in school, doing athletics, you know, doing all of this and yeah, just just too much and then again then just came back, played a game with P-Mount and they played me up front because, you know, they thought I wouldn't have too much to do and was just running after a ball and just a hip just went pop. That sounds and excruciating. Yeah, so avulsion fracture where the a muscle tears off the bone. So I was like 16. So that like messed me up in general for a little bit. Like in general, bad hamstrings, sometimes hip flexors, but thankfully that's kind of been it. I suppose more recently I have, you know, one, I suppose my reputation for things is heading the ball as a defender. And I have herniated discs in my neck, which is just gonna be a forever sort of thing which I'll just have to deal with so I have to do a, like kind of constant strength and rehab for that but you just kind of get over it. You wrecked your hip when you were 16 didn't you make mm. your debut for Ireland when you were 17? In around yeah so that was it I kind of got a, yeah as soon as that was done I got back into the the 17s that a brief tournament 17s with Noel King who at the time was the manager of the 17s and the manager of the seniors and then I got into 19s and then yes, from just kind of from that, and he basically he he liked my you know maybe liked me as a player, but also just liked my determination of how I wanted to get back and try get fit and um, yeah, and then called me into the seniors, and I was at that stage I was lucky enough to be in the same squad as Olivia O'Toole, you know Yvonne Tracy, Kira Grant, Emma Byrne, who was I thankfully got to play with for plenty of years and. Uh, yeah, like Sharon Boyle, all of this, like, you know, it's going way back. So I've thankfully got to, you know, play with them. And Olivia O'Toole was, she's like a legend of the game. And sure, I'd be playing against her, even in club football, I'd be playing against her. 
and she'd be, as a defender, she'd be helping me even though she was attacking. So she'd go and do this amazing run and I might tackle her and do something ball be gone. She'd be like, Leo, that was real good, but maybe next time you can do it. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever you say, Olivia, <laughs> totally. And then like Yvonne Tracy, I got to play beside her and she helped me so much as well with everything. So, um, but that like, it was a slow process though from when I got in to when I was actually fully starting and you know, so I built up a couple of caps, but you know, maybe at that time not as much as I would have liked. Did well, now her house is <laughs> full of caps. Like they're everywhere. You swear she doesn't have two older sisters. Mm. It's just like I don't know, it's not that bad, but it's just like yeah. Dad wears mate in the game. Yeah, have to make yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Did you play? Uh, I, I think <coughs> I know the answer. Did you play too much sport? I love both of your opinions. Is when you were younger because like. Well, you saw the, what happened to you, like, and you, you've had a lot of injuries when you were younger as well. That you had to kind of maybe grow out of it. Was it just because you just wanted to do everything, or because you were good at so many things? Or yeah, like I just loved it though as well. It wasn't, yeah. uh, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a chore, and it wasn't. But yeah, I suppose at some stage you've just got to know when the, like yeah, the limit is. But I just loved it, and there was no. And it's so hard, even when you get the smallest of injuries. You know, you don't, you don't want to stop and. You're not, you're not sure where that pain barrier is either, where where you should stop and where you shouldn't stop kind of with things, so, yeah. Yeah, no I, like, I think as well, I, I loved all the sports that I played and it's definitely had an impact in how I've, so you kind of, I think, especially when you're, you're younger, like try and play as many as you can and, and build up as many skills because so many of them are transferable, they, they were for me. And I've got so many different friends from completely different groups and all extremely close because of sport. Like, so the girls that I played with, um, our, our primary school was, was so small and that none of the other girls in my class played sport. So principal at the time drove me to a bigger primary school so I could play on their, um, their Gaelic team. And, and the principal that I had before had no interest in like questioned like why would you not consider playing hopscotch or polo or some something that the girls are playing that I had no interest in like look they it was you could definitely feel even at like seven and eight that oh girls shouldn't be playing with boys that kind of thing and then when we got this new younger principal she was like Gaelic mad football mad and really encouraging and I was kind of like oh like this is actually a this is cool to do because my parents were anything, any sport that I wanted to do, like, they were so encouraging, but then to hear it from, you know, another adult voice that isn't related to you, it kind of, it carried a lot of weight, so, yeah, I would try everything, and then obviously when you're older, you kind of, you kind of want to pick, you, you develop a kind of niche and what mm. traits you're good at and what you enjoy, and that was Gaelic and soccer for me, um, and to be honest, I never, I never thought I would get to great heights with with either of those like I think with soccer it was the Gainer Cup with Leinster mm. and and with Piedmont and then um but then when I played rugby in college that was when I was kind of like oh like these are the things that I like doing the most which is physicality and and kind of getting stuck in and it's you're rewarded for that so that was kind of like oh I found mm. I found this thing and that's because I tried all these other things as well so if I was like Annie was play be greedy um but also kind of like <laughs> when you're in pain, pull mm -hmm. back a bit because I, like, I, I felt like I'm invincible. And yeah, sometimes 
Well, I now know that I'm definitely not. <laughs> but yeah. Do you compare notes much on your on your career since you went your separate paths in the sense that um, you've both like reached the pinnacle internationally? You know, you've both played obviously represented your countries at a really high level. Um, and he's a boat experience, like disappointments, the World Cup being obvious, the most recent World Cup being obvious, yeah. and the Notts County experience. Mm. And like, so you've had, he's your mates, but you've had <laughs> really, really great things happen to you. But I presume he's kind of need each other more when you go through kind of real tough periods, or do you kind of back and forth about your career as much between you? Like, some, like Sometimes we do, but it's kind of just. It's more the back end of stuff, so yeah. it's not like I'll ask how the match goes and how she felt afterwards and like did you play well or are you happy mm. with your performance whatever but that's kind of that's not really there's no it's that's not the substance we don't really mm. speak about stuff that's more important than that like I know that soccer is huge Louise but it's not to be all and end all the same with rugby so mm. like yeah when I first got injured like wailing down the phone to you and mm. whatever and then it's vice versa as well when there's yeah. crap going on like during the World Cup or during that whole Notts County mess yeah. it was like you just and it's a different voice and it's a different perspective as well so like some of the issues that I've had in sport and that you've had there there is so many similarities I think in in women's sport mm. you can yeah you can you can cross compare and a lot of the time it's the same it's the same crap and um, which is kind of frustrating because and in one in some ways the rugby side is ahead of the soccer and then in other ways so like I'm definitely jealous of certain of, of, mm. of what some of the things the Irish women's soccer team has and I imagine it's yeah like it's definitely then vice versa obviously getting to World Cups and w playing in and winning Six Nations like getting silverware for playing for your country just it, it, it's there's times where it, even my mom was like didn't you play rugby? And I'm like, oh, I was playing with the Irish soccer team. Not enough for you, ma'am. No. When she just sees how well Jenny's doing, like. But I think, it, yeah, when we just go to each other, it is kind of like killing two birds at one stone. You're getting the best friend advice, but then you're also getting the sporting advice that you kind of need, like, you know, that where sometimes if you're, you know, talking to one of your other best mates, and then you know they're always going to be very, you know biased in some ways and then maybe not know those vital decisions that need to be made about your sport whereas in I know that when I can go to Jenny it's just you're getting the mix of both it may even be a bit biased and then she'll get supporting but then they'll like um, smash together and yeah it's not like I know that like some people when I'm, I'm chatting to my friends it's like oh how's the rugby going and it's very much seen as a hobby or whatever mm -hmm. and it's it's not like it. It's a huge mm. part of my life, and and that's like f fine because that's my choice. I immerse myself in it, and when you're going for something, and when you're not injury free, and when there's a big competition, that's the be all and end all. And I can speak to my teammates about it, but I can also speak to one of my best friends. And even though it's not necessarily rugby, she can completely understand how important it is, mm. and know that that kind of blinkers sometimes blind view is is acceptable and you're not seen as a an absolute muppet for completely disregarding other things it's kind of like very very focused and mm -hmm. the same goes for for me it can be like you can understand that that drive that sometimes people might not necessarily get 
Mm. Um, which is, it's good. I think I was one of them that we always have like, the real understanding is when you might be in your, when you're in your off season or on season, and you know, you have to especially watch what you're like eating and drinking and this, that and the other. And it's like, you know, you'd be like, oh, come, you know, we go out and get a bit of dinner and it's like, yeah, but I've got to, you know, I can only go for something like kind of healthier and nicer. And, and mm. like, so then it's kind of like, you know, other friends might be like, ah, oh, come on, like do it. And which is sometimes you have to, and it's needed, but like we get it, you know, you have to always be in mode. There's only certain small periods of time where you can kind of let go loose, hell for <laughs> let loose <laughs> on some of those things. So like, I think that's one of our always like big kind of, yeah, even so though we're both big fans of yeah. food. Oh, God, yeah. massive foodies. Like. So even if I know if she, like, she has to, she's on a bit of a healthy buzz, like you then know the snacks have to be like healthy snacks. Yeah, and stuff. it rules out a lot of things. Yeah. yeah, but you know, you understand, you know why, why you're doing it and all of that. Can I ask you about everyone I've met in the last few days, I've asked them what <coughs> they did on the weekend. Obviously, there was a big game of rugby and a huge game of football, which you just can touch on, but... One of the most special weekends in the history of Ireland. Like, uh, what did you just get up to, or what did you just think of it all? Like, I I only got home on the twenty, like late on the twenty third as well. So like, it was kind of I as well like to kind of. So I just finished season, so it was you know deciding when to be able to pack up like everything there and kind of move stuff and then be able to get home. So I was like thankful enough that I could actually get home in time to vote for it as well. And it was, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, my, and my sister had done some great stuff canvassing around, in around Wicklow, Blessington, uh, all of that going into Dublin, and like just absolutely loved it and, you know, met so many people through it and has done such a great job. So when it just came to the time later on in the day, like we kind of just went up as a family up to the, you know, up to the primary school. So it just has everything about it, being able to go into the primary school and, Obviously now being like six foot tall, thinking, what was it like? What, like I thought it was a giant in school, but then you're just like, what is going on? And it was just lovely, like just going in as a family, going in to vote and coming out like, you know, skipping out, obviously hoping for, you know, the good news, but even being that little bit kind of nervous as well. But mm. uh, Yeah, I, just, I got up, yeah. I was up early as like getting up early. Mm. I think it was like set the alarm and everything and was... Yeah, I didn't really sleep much the night before. I was really nervous. I was kind of scrolling through Twitter and um, and I, I know myself, like you, you do get in like the people you follow and you get in your own little bubble and you're like, okay, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then you click into some of the comments from some people and you're like, oh, this is horrific and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I needed to watch like cute videos of puppies or something to like calm me down. The, yeah, voted straight away and then um, Got a got a lift over to Doolin to watch one of the girls to watch Ruth O'Reilly get married. So she got married, so I got to see got to see that. So there was there was two big yeses on the day, um, and yeah, it was great crack. And then to watch to watch Leinster and um, watch Leinster win the next day as well. And the results, it was kind of like everyone was in such a good mood at the wedding and their good times. And and then as the night progressed, so I think we were up until like. Or I think it was like a conversation at five o'clock um, the next morning was kind of, it was the first time it ever went kind of seriously being like, like do you think what's going to happen? And mm. there was a lot of like, I'm leaving the country if whatever. Um, and luckily, you know, the side that I would have liked to have come out on top did. 
and then to win to watch Leinster win and Liverpool not it's pretty good pretty good weekend overall Did, I, I don't want to get too deep about it but like these are the last generation of women in their 20s that have to deal with this problem in mm. this country does that resonate with you with you lads or does that mean I just think it's like it's great that it's dumb but it's kind of a yeah. bit insane that it it's 2018 and yeah. it's only now and like Paul it's like there have been so many amazing people that have done some fantastic canvassing like Tara Tara Flynn and Colin McGorman and, and there's there's mm-hmm. numerous others and then there's people that kind of kind of showed their leanings when maybe necessarily it mightn't be the, the best thing for their career and they still kind of put it out there because it's a it's it's like the amount of difficult conversations that I've had with people um, and to kind of go out in public and I, I didn't have any difficulty at all. Like I'm a woman, why would I, why would I not want full autonomy over my body? Like it doesn't make sense. But um, it was great to kind of see so many people so passionate about something that's that's important. So mm-hmm. I was like, it was, it was when I did have the 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 vote in front of me I was I have to read it twice just so I wouldn't mess up I was like just yeah, yeah, yeah. like I did I wanted to make sure I didn't tick the right thing or cross something mm. or whatever so yeah it was it's like it was good yeah it was, I think I think then later on and we we'll look back and be like oh like that's what I did that day but like you you could see families go to the like again I voted in my old primary school and you could see like families go and it was nice. It's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, just yeah. one of those, all, like simple, easy, to, like decisions. Do you know what I mean? In general, just mm. yeah. In, the, when, uh, in in a sporting context and in a bigger picture, you guys have and I go into this as deep or as little as you just want. You've had challenges for, for women, the women's rugby team, and for the women's football team in this country, and you faced them down in the last in the last year. Um, can you talk a bit about your experiences from that and? Have you seen, have you begun to see general, from the stances you took, you, you first, Louise, mm. have you seen improvement or is it, is it sustained? Is it, get, is it the steps being taken that you needed? Yeah, absolutely. Like in, I think you can see it, you know, all over the board. It's still some of them that are, you know, that do take a little bit more time. But, you know, I think in, in every way it's, it's showing, especially hopefully now for the, you know, the home-based girls and there's a, uh, you know, home-based training sessions that are going on. Obviously, all this stuff about kiss isn't a problem. And, um, you know, and I was even at one of the home-based trainings the other day myself. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's in Abbottstown. It's on a, you know, class pitch. You have Colin there taking the session. And, you know, I think it's all showing in the, in the results and the performances that we've, you know, that we've had. Obviously, with Colin coming in, that's definitely one thing. But I think as well, you kind of, you you take like we've always have that like that pride to play for your country that's been never in doubt but then you need the association to back you and now when you finally start to feel that they are starting to back you it it amazingly puts more pride in the jersey for you and I think everyone is working extremely hard for it and their standard set so we've you know we 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 set a standard even for for ourselves like you know fighting fighting for the cause and so we have to we have to keep up with it you know if we just kind of do it and then maybe as players not do much better and not perform well then maybe we shouldn't have deserved it but we're proving that we've set that bar and 
now we're going for it and I think we deserved it but yeah it was you know that was again that was one of the hardest things and was that a bonding was that like massive yeah yeah I think even it's it's still talked about to this day you, you know in most camps it might just even just be that little bit of a comment and but it's you know all in all in a positive way and you know and what the girls maybe that were there at the time that maybe now aren't there so you know obviously Emma Byrne was Mm. a massive reason that it happened and you know she'd been trying to do it for years and you know it kind of just didn't it didn't come around and then you know we finally got it right then with the help of the PFAI and you know people just really stepped up to the plate and like put their necks on the line Emma Byrne being one of them Anya O'Gorman as well who's still in the team you know really just put herself out there and you know a lot of the the senior players and you know we all wanted it and that was again something even if it might be something that we'll be around for for too much of it but we're you know we're happy to have set something up at least but it, it is coming to the forefront for us as well but obviously for the likes of Emma you know she was doing it because she wanted to to leave her stamp and her mark there and like she's already done it as a player and you know obviously she wants to achieve more but then I think for her this was one of her bigger achievements that she ever could have done and yeah just in terms of like team bonding you know when we having to go into negotiations you know we were in a a room in a you know a, a meeting room in a hotel until half three in the morning and you know there was times where it was just for some of it you just had to sit there you had to wait for you know mediators to go back and forth and start discussing things and obviously sometimes it was just you know playing uh what's got like Pictionary on the board, you know, you just had, you had to wait it out, wait it out. And then, you know, there just, I mean, there came a moment, it was probably about half one, two o'clock in the morning and, you know, something serious came up where we really had to get together as a team where it could kind of sp split you or, you know, kind of put a little bit of... Divide. Pop, yeah, just that little bit of divide. But, you know, we sorted out perfectly and how we wanted it and... To, and you know because it had it been such a long day and nice and long like couple of days and very kind of emotional as well and to me that was that will always stick with me about half one in the morning just actually get into the real serious stuff and that's exactly what has brought us together as a team and I think that's something as well that, you know the Irish team has always had something where the camaraderie and the friendships and the bond has always been strong but now there's just that bit extra you know and it's something where even in recent times with the you know there's a lot of young girls in the squad now as well where you know we've even had to almost hold a meeting with them to explain what's gone on like you know because they're just now in it and reaping the rewards of kind of what we've done but they don't know how we got there and so we're you know we are like being their mothers and grandmothers being like well this is how we got that you know going back back in the day last year we did this that and the other and people put themselves on the line you know and but it's do, do you not think that was like to sum up that that was like the netherlands versus ireland in the netherlands like that like there these guys aren't getting a goal yeah it was yeah like definitely a, a wall yeah yeah and i think that's in general what we've yeah always been like you know try break us down see what you can do and like that exactly it relates back to you know the stuff 
this time last year, but then it does, it, come, it comes onto the pitch because we're like, well, we did that. So, you know, we did this with the FAI and got what we wanted, but now, you know, then you can do it on the football pitch. It's something that we love even more. So it, it does, it brings that bomb, especially when you know you've done something kind of like that. It's, it is, it's, it's an experience that I was so happy to be there for and to be a part of. And then, yeah, then like, to be able to translate it onto the pitch and get like a results against the European champions. And, was, and your teammates, some of your club teammates as well. Yeah, that was a tough time. <laughs> Back to Arsenal then. There's four of them on the team there and, you know, trying to get like a little bit of banter beforehand, but sometimes they just don't like it. And, <laughs> you know, obviously, but, you know, and they're thinking automatically that they're, you know, that they're going to, they're going to win. They have that confidence that they're going to win and, yeah, but and then I had to go back then at that stage. Casey wasn't back in the club, back in Arsenal yet, so I had to go in there by myself. It was tough. What happened at one thirty in the morning? Moody. Do you remember? What happened at one thirty in the morning? Back. Um, Shots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was just the base. Like it was when the the FEI came with a proposal for something that could basically kind of split maybe the professional players and the the non-professionals, the ones that are based in Ireland. Um, and so, yeah, just a big decision had to be made between between all of us, so. Isn't it funny, you, I, I don't even think you're looking for equality, but it's it's still the, the level of respect that you demand as elite f female athletes, mm. instead of being considered as athletes, is a hard fight, isn't it? That's the fight you've been in for the last year or two. Yeah, exactly, it was, it just, Again, it just seemed like the you know the basic demands that need that you need for a, a football team and an international team to be able to excel, and you know countries that have even been on the similar sort of level as us were now starting to bypass us. You know, like Iceland kind of being one of those. There was back in the Euros, it would have been two thousand eight to qualify, I think, for the two thousand nine Euros, and so we were playing Iceland in the playoffs and. You know, so we were at that similar level, but then they did go on to, to beat us in those playoffs, but we actually had to play them on what was an ice rink in Iceland. It was, the pitch was rock solid. You couldn't, it was unbelievable, like unbelievable. Somehow they could manage it a little bit better. I don't know how different studs are, different, like just being able to deal with it. But, you know, we were at a similar level at that stage and now, you know, they've bypassed us and got to, Euros and you know are definitely now competing to get into World Cups and we're like well why are we falling behind so much but you know they've at an earlier stage just got that backing from their association so you know we didn't we we knew how much potential we had and what great players and you know so we weren't going to let it fall fall behind us. T ten years ago, I, I remember women's rugby. Ten years ago, I can remember women's football in Ireland. He's have made. Enormous, there's obviously loads of problems and barriers still, mm. but you've made enormous strides. What is it about your generation that's made that happen, do you think? I think I, think I was so lucky to come at, at the right time. Um, so when I joined the women's team in, in 2012, you had fantastic experienced players who, who knew where the game needed to get to. And then you also had the probably naivety is the wrong word, but then you had the younger players coming in that never questioned that. They were like, yeah, why not? 
Um, and that combo together was was really su successful. You, you kind of we were in our own little bubble, and it was it was us versus everybody else. And that kind of similar to that meeting you have. That's that's something that we that we would would have always prided ourselves on, like that close team knit environment. That is, they'll have to break us, um, and that would have been that was a tough thing to do. Um, so I think like yeah, having having that was was powerful. And then you had like strong voices within within the squad, um, and not just players but management as well that were just as passionate about women's rugby and where it needed to go. And we had the likes of, you know, we, we, like I, we probably, you'd look at England as being one of the most progressive teams, even back then. Um, and they were always making strides and maybe doing something a little bit different and, and never stagnating. And, and there was never a contentment with them. And I think sometimes we were expected to be like, sure, don't you have enough? And no, it should, we're should always be striving for, for more if you're any type of athlete at all. Like, if you stay still, you, you, you're dead. Um, and it's the same with a team environment. So you need to always be looking for those gains and those one percenters. And, and the thing is, like, in, in women's sport, it's so easy to get those one percenters. Like, you chuck a bit of money our way and it can, it can pay massive dividends. And not mm. just at the national team, but at, at grassroots level, it can have such a positive impact. Like we played well in 2013 and 2014, and, and we're lucky enough that the Irish public got behind us. And now there's so many girls coming up and playing rugby because they see success and they see it as potentially a viable thing to do in the future. And, and like I'm hoping that I will still be able to get back playing. And the girls that are there now, they want the same thing. They want to to leave the jersey in a better place for the girls that are coming up. Um, and in order to do that, you need to you need to be making progress. And yeah, the players need to be fully supported to do that. And I think there is definitely space for improvement in that area. Because there are girls coming up, aren't they now? There are. That's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah, there was. I kind of I, th I remember for a while like you'd be looking at certain positions and kind of there's no one coming up or 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 if we got two injuries in a certain position there's you know there's a there's a mm. there's a, a mass um but now you can see girls and they're you know want to be the next North Stapleton I you know want to be the next Sophie Spence and there's all these players that, and, and as well as that, like, now I'm completely biased, I love rugby, and you look at everybody on the pitch and they all have their different jobs and, and everyone can be good at something and still be amazing at rugby, just not necessarily at the same thing. So, yeah, I think hopefully if, hopefully if there is proper investment made, then, like, we can go and get back to winning ways, but it needs, like, it needs to happen now because you see... New Zealand now have professional contracts. Um, France France went professional after we played them in the Six Nations. We we beat them in the Six Nations, and yeah, it wasn't the prettiest of games, but you know that was our thing all the time. Was like we'll we'll grind it out and we'll do we'll do what we can, and you know there's only so much that that's going to get you, and and we still have that, but we need to also be making like we need to be making gains in other areas, and like for 
for France to focus entirely and pretty much go semi-professional for those couple of months between March and August of 2017 for the World Cup. Like, I played against them, they were a completely different team. Their players weren't any different. Maybe one came back from injury, but like, it was a completely different ball game and that's, that's what you get if you properly invest in, in women's rugby. And as well as that, it was, it was some of the nicest rugby um, that I've watched. Like, if you watch the, the final, England versus New Zealand, it was really good rugby. Um, just so happened that women were playing it, and I, like a lot of people were, were were surprised by that. But like this is what you will get if if you like put your money where your mouth is. You, that Louise, mm. you've got a you, Tala's is kind of a special thing now for you because it's where people know they can go to see you play and mm. um, <coughs> just go win your next three games and qualify. It, but to, but to do it would be unbelievable, wouldn't it? Because it. It, it demands everyone's attention then who wouldn't be there or not to put pressure on you but how do you look at it like how are you looking at the next couple of weeks the next the Norway games like straight away it's just the as soon as you kind of finish a camp you are just as excited to get back in which is I feel sometimes hasn't had that sort of football feeling for a while you know we've always come so close being like ah oh, he's almost almost did that and you know especially one where you know we almost beat or drew with Germany you know back a few years ago and it's it's just always just that almost whereas and now we're you know we're getting out of that bit of a mindset where it's like oh, we're almost there whereas in it's you win or you know really really get a, a decent result, result that you deserve or it's or it's just not good enough so obviously even after the second Dutch game, the one that we lost 2-0, you know, came out of a feeling really disappointed because um, I actually think we played better football in that game than we did in the first one. You could see that sort of progress. Um, you know, and that's where he's starting kind of with the base and the base, it, like the base is get your defending right, don't concede any goals and then, you know, we can see what we can then do up top and we can. And it showed, you know, in the first few games and and that's still to come from us. You can see when we played the Dutch in that second game that, you know, we played much better attacking football and could have could have scored and, you know, then again could have just defend like tightened it up that little bit more. But yeah, like we're going into these games feeling confident, yet knowing that we've got to get something from it. But again, once you get the you know, the result you you do against the Dutch when we drew with them. It just it breeds confidence in the team, and you know we do. We have a lot of like young players as well, and they just kind of don't have the fear either. You know, you kind of it's when you actually get a, a little bit older, you know how to deal with it better. But you actually get that bit more of like, like what will happen if this happens. Whereas in we have those younger players, and they're just like, let's just play football, like, so let's go. They looked the Dutch in that game when they were bombarding us. They looked mm. class, and they mm. are a class team. But you looked calm. The, yeah. What is that? How you felt? Yeah. Like I think you know. I mean, you still you still feel in control. You're taking that pressure, but we like we love it. We love to defend as a team, and yeah, you know it's coming. And I think that's out. Like you know, my family, all people who are watching, they're always like, oh, I was just so nervous. Well, I was like, I felt fine. I was like, I felt grand. You know, but that's because it's something that we're good at. You know, and you at that stage, I suppose it's so, in some stages you're kind of letting the Dutch do what they're good at, which is yeah, attacking and playing football but we're playing to our strength and doing what we like to do and that's defend and then you know carry on from there and 
it's definitely going to be something that we can, you know, we're setting that foundations for something to build on. And to me, like, we really can get results out of, you know, out of the Norwegians. And it's two back-to-back -back games, which is a little bit unusual in these, you know, qualifiers. But I think it could actually, you know, work to our advantage. We've got one team to concentrate on and we know exactly what we will have to do and we've got to do it. And, you know, you, you go in... You don't, you don't actually feel as nervous. You just feel more confident. You know, I feel like through the years we were always kind of going in nervous, not sure what was, you know, how we were going to approach games. Whereas in, you know, we're we're studying the games as much as we're almost on the pitch these days. You know, we you may have a day off from training, but we've always got a meeting at five o'clock to six thirty, doing video analysis and chatting and doing. This are you are you Zabbits down are you? That's what we do the training. What's it compare compare that setup to Arsenal? Um, like both brilliant. Um, you know you're training on class pitches, and then there's the you know the gym there, um, as well the Institute of Sport. So yeah, like I know I suppose to compare that with with Arsenal, it's as soon as you're on the training ground, everything is just there for you. It's a 20 meter walk to the gym it's a 10 meter walk to the restaurant where you're getting your lunch you know there's about 12 pitches to choose from maybe in arsenal um some nice cars in the parking lot yeah a few nice cars you know you're yeah. picking out if you could buy one of those cars which one would it be you've talked uh, really talked to us a bit about arson wagner because of yeah because he's just walked you, were you much interaction with him in your time like or? not really um you know, just because I suppose there is kind of like a, like a separation, but it's just like they kind of have their own bit of an area and then we have our own and then it's the same. The academy kind of have a bit of their own as well, uh, the academy boys. So I remember like you see him kind of towards the start of the season. I remember he came into the gym the same time we were in there and one of the girls just getting ready to lift, a, lift some weights and stuff like that and he was going talking to our strength coach and I was like, Arson Fenger is watching you deadlift right now by the way and like yeah but he just comes over he was lovely Every, anytime any little interactions we had like you know big smile on his face you know i i see him as a legend you know always from before like again i'm a liverpool fan but what he's done for the league you know he's he's up there with alex ferguson for everything he's done to stay in the one club for that amount of time is incredible um but yeah you have like a few little interactions with you know with with players there would have been jack wilshire coming in a bit more making sure his rehab was on point since he's a bit injury prone chap mm. or thing but yeah it was uh it's you know just everything about it is class i mean do you, do you find the jump from so you went from <coughs> like p Maint and college mm. football in ucd and, and you were playing international at this stage and then you joined a Division 2 team in Sweden, Eskilstuna, mm -hmm. and like that's a big jump, because yeah. you don't speak a lot of Swedish either, so uh, how did you make that decision? Like, like that decision, it just came around, I suppose it was always from the, th like, so I went to UCD as well, was playing college football, and that was always something really important for me, and you know, Malmö as well, like, you know, I wanted to get your education, I want you to, you know, be going at something. So I like 
happy to do it and want to do it myself. But as soon as that was kind of done, I was like, right, I want to, I want to go play football. I want to see what this is all about. And I was in the Irish team, and there's a few of the girls that were, you know, kind of in Germany. One of them even at the time was in Sweden, and the girls obviously in Arsenal and. I was just like, yeah, I, j I just need to go. So I, I did a little stint in uh, in Carlow IT as well. They have the football course down there. Um, and one of the Irish coaches, Jared Dunn, was just kind of like, how about you just kind of go here for the year? And basically you're just training, you know, three, you're training almost every day, either on the pitch or in the gym. And you're with the lads, so you're playing at a good standard. So that almost like set it up. It's like, if you can, you know, kind of do this, going abroad, you should be able to kind of deal with it. And yeah, that was it. And then, like you know, one of the girls, one of my good mates on the team, Fiona O'Sullivan, gave me a good contact to get an agent. And I was like, oh my god. She always drops this. Like, I Jen, do, yeah. Jen, do you have an agent? <laughs> no, no, not a sap. Yeah, I, I yeah. just need to call my agent. Yeah, now. all the time. So I actually need to call her about doing this interview and everything. It's <laughs> real tough. What was <laughs> what was Sweden like? And because I read somewhere that you you, you struggled with um, picking up the languages because you're formed with dyslexia and all that, which was really I loved the way the honesty of you explaining that. But mm. that must have been a huge challenge, is it? Yeah, and like it kind of that I had that kind of fear as well, just even going to any foreign country. Like you know, I did Irish and French in school, but then had to stop doing the French, you know, because I had. A form just actually that I just struggled to learn languages but I was like I'm not gonna drop the Irish like like it too much but I'm like French yeah that's fine that can go so yeah just I suppose you, you learn about in Sweden as well that the, their English is brilliant as well so it, you kind of you had that bit of leeway but for the first three years there as well our coach took the training sessions in English even though he was Swedish just because we have a few international so in parts I struggled to maybe learn as much as I would have wanted to but again understood quite a bit and gradually then got to be able to keep up with conversations but you know wish it was a little bit more but I think the best thing I ever did about the language was teach you curse words really Swedish. Yeah. Can I can give some good Swedish curse words. <laughs> <laughs> when, did Figure. You, when did you cop on that you were of the standard, I presume you might have even known before then that you wanted to play professional football mm. for the foreseeable future. Was there a period in Sweden, or was it? Did you have to go to England to kind of really confirm it for you? What was your? Um, yeah, obviously, obviously, in stages in Sweden, like you know, I knew that there was good potential there and was playing at a high standard, and you know, everything to knock on effect. You know, my international football started getting better because of just training every day and. You know, I think the team we had in Eskilstuna as well was, you know, brilliant. I had kind of, you know, everything I like about a team. It was, you know, progressing, building, but then the, you know, the team morale, the fact that the community was involved so much, you know, the attendances we used to get at the games. Oh, I'm, I'm, the last game I of the went, season. I went over for, for a game yeah. and Louise kind of was like, I have to go and chucked me in towards, like, the Swedish fans, which were the the super fans of Eskilstuna, the, the women's team, the Tuna Twelve. They set up their own crew. Yeah, so they were like teaching me all these songs, and like they had like a song about like Louise mm -hmm. and about like Vela, another girl that's playing, and then other stuff. So they were like chanting for the whole game against Rosenberg. Uh, the last one would have been, I think, you came to the Gothenburg game. Yeah, and yeah. so that we had like six six and a half thousand people there they had to get like extra seating in the stadium you know it was 
incredible. Like and yet, you know, the Tuna Twelve were amazing. You know, getting that far that you know they were selling their own merchandise and being able to sell jerseys, and that's still. I had to buy one for politeness <laughs> as well. So I have like an Eskis Tuna headband <laughs> that I wear all the time. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Not with a downer, but will you put talks a bit about the Notts County experience because it looked like such a great yeah. move. And then, but is that something? I think did it happen with Derby or another team recently? Is that just part of uh, a, a possibility of women's football in England? Or yeah, just. In general, there is always just that. With certain clubs, you know, it is if they're not too attached to the men's team, or maybe the men's team aren't playing in the in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I suppose kind of at the time. I think even just before I had signed, you know, there was kind of talk of you know a few little problems. But then they got a brand new owner, and yeah, so Notts County then signed me, signed another player, renewed all the other girls' contracts and were like, yeah, you know, we want you to stay and this is, you know, so I almost felt a little bit more sorry for them because they were all kind of set up maybe even with apartments or kind of going into a little bit of study or a little bit of work and just kind of setting themselves up. Um, so yeah, it was just, I was only there, what ended up being about 10 weeks, I think, mm -hmm. 10 or 12 weeks about and just a text on a a Thursday night, you know, and saying the league was starting, the spring series was starting on the Sunday and we were playing Arsenal. We got a text on the Thursday night saying, training is cancelled tomorrow, can you just come into the, into the offices in the, which are in the stadium. And just straight away everyone was like, Right, you know, you don't you don't cancel a training session. You maybe move it. You do this. So we were, our heads were like ticking, ticking over, and uh, we were like, maybe you know, maybe they're just going to make us like semi-professional or you know, kind of do something like that. But as soon as we'd gone in, I think they had then spoken to our captain and one of the other like more experienced girls, and get, whatever. Five minutes later, they just come out of the room and they're crying, and we're like, oh dear, this is this is it. And then we get, like go up into the into the meeting room, and you know there's even a couple people that we'd never met. The actual chairman himself wasn't there. He had to a family emergency of dropping his family to the airport or something, or picking them up. I don't know. Couldn't even be there. And then they just yeah just told us straight out, and obviously it was just devastation. Like you couldn't couldn't believe it. You know I'd been there for just such a short short time and was ready yet to like you know set myself up get going like you know I wanted to like moving to England was the challenge I wanted a you know different style of football the you know everything about it to play against these big big teams and big names and yeah so we just we just didn't have a clue what to be doing if you know if we could still actually kind of keep playing or is it like is that it and they were literally like the club is gone like there is no ladies team anymore like it's non-existent basically what was the what was their excuse for that basically that they just <clears throat> so the new guy uh alan hardy took over from this other chap and he basically left them worse off than maybe what they initially thought so this is what i've been told so and that was it. It was just that the women's club, obviously, you know, and save a book. Yeah, exactly. It's that thing where women's football sometimes it's you know it's not bringing in sometimes the revenue that it shouldn't. But 
it's also at the same time it's not taking that much revenue either so taking that much money so it was one of those yeah really tough and obviously then straight away was just you know trying to figure out what I could do and then again bringing up my agent again but then she just called like within that day I had it sorted that basically I was going to go to Arsenal then like it was in it was the craziest day like so many emotions I was almost even afraid or scared to like say it or do it I was like hey like well because you you spoke to me on? and you were also like this happened yeah so I knew all about the the kind of turmoil and then got the the Arsenal phone call and then also you felt so guilty yeah I actually felt guilty yeah yeah like just because like I just felt like because it just didn't seem as bad a thing for me because I'd only literally just kind of come so I hadn't settled in I hadn't only played a few games only wore the jersey a few times so yeah and like and we were supposed to play in Arsenal at the weekend and even that they were like yeah if you want it so this was the Friday if you could get here by the Saturday I was like <laughs> no 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 like and just the thoughts of like even having Arsenal training kit on me by the Saturday I was like that's no like you know everything I had to pack up a move I was like just no way. Give me Still give me hasn't given me an Arsenal jersey. What's the crack? <laughs> what, what's this crack with your Arsenal? I, I know you had a one year deal, but what's the story now or uh yeah, so it's that's still kind of a, a work in progress at the moment, but with their agents. <laughs> I'll drop that in for you, you're gonna do it yourself. <laughs> that's just the way it goes though. Like, these things are not everyone's getting two, three year long term deals. Yeah. You have to kind of just figure it out. But you've had a good season it seemed, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I kind of I suppose going so when I jumped into the spring series with them, it, you know, short-term contract went well and then got offered a new contract and again, maybe didn't start off so well and there was obviously competition for places and yeah, even, it just wasn't going great, even in terms of the results, the manager that was there at the time, things just kind of weren't going great. Um, you know, and even at that stage, Arsenal, it's always been and like always will be like a very attacking club and I think defensively even on the men's side there's always just that bit of uncertainty I think you know you're just at times they can have a great game and at times then it's a shambles and that was kind of almost filtering into the women's teams at like into our team at, ti at times um, and there's, just, a, there's an Arsenal way yeah yeah like you know kind of I think and you know but he was just very gung-ho to be attacking and even like you know I was I was in there but I wasn't sure of the structure I didn't know how he wanted to play because I'm just an out and out defender I'm you I mean that's it's my main well, priority let me it. she's an out and out defender but she'll like crack in a few goals as well like him off the bench scores two the winner for I shouldn't be saying this I don't even big you up even more but like I'm saying uh the semi-final to get to, to Wembley. Oh yeah, that was nice. Oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah. That was Cash, nice. yeah. against Everton. The yeah. ricochet header, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. it just yeah, hit my yeah. head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That thing I've never scored on my feet in the for, Premiership. Like yeah, four hours never. Like there was one where I was actually six yards out, ball crossed in, co came to my foot, and like you know, I was just trying to control and it, it and then just tap it in, but it hit my foot popped up into the air and I had it in. The girls were cracking up. So they're like, you just can't score with your feet. Like, what's wrong? Yeah. What was the FA Cup final like? Just incredible. Like, 
obviously bad results, not like didn't deserve it on the day, but just in general, just Wembley, forty five thousand people. It's yeah, an experience that you'll always remember. And I think it's one of like it's I think and I th again hopefully, you know, playing with Arsenal, it's one of those things that you're gonna be able to experience again. They have a great rep when it comes to the FA Cup and but just to it's it was a weird experience. Like you you hear it and you see the crowd, but you don't kind of you hear them when you're warming up or whatever, and yeah. it's like nearly like a vibration in your chest because you're yeah, not used yeah. to it. Because even like, and then it kind of, just kind of yeah, fades I don't know. You just kind of you just get on with it at the same time. Like, or I was able to kind of just kind of get on with it. Obviously, when certain things happened and goals are scored or tackles made, you kind of hear this, you know, uproar. But yeah, it was. I don't even think it was almost in my like kind of aspiration. Yeah, yeah, that I could do this or achieve this so it was kind of when people were asking me I was kind of like yeah like I don't know how it felt it was just amazing it just kind of happened and yeah just watching it on yeah. telly though it does mm. show that um, your sport is limitless potential because mm. live TV looked like I was watching an FA Cup final yeah. there was 40 odd thousand at it mm -hmm. what does that tell you about the possibilities for your sport like yeah that's the, I think in in England as well in general they've you know they've they've got it right and they have the players and you know there definitely still is that thing I think you know where locally so maybe for like you know the league games we kind of in general maybe only get a thousand to two thousand kind of maybe depending who you're playing or you know whether all of that stuff whereas in I think obviously when you're kind of playing for these teams Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea it should be a lot more than that and I think it's just kind of then trying to get the the locals of the area and stuff in that place so I think you're kind of relying on Arsenal fans at, at the moment and they're brilliant and we have some absolute super fans but I think it's something there that it can just be built even more and more um, but I think yeah just how they, how they do it is right and I think social media wise and media wise they really have a really good base and they you know they do support them there's always ways to improve it but looking at it at the moment you know you can't you can't complain looking at the progression of, of but like of I, I remember playing like in in secondary school I would know Arsenal players mm. like with female Arsenal players yeah. like you'd know you'd know the names like mm. Yankee and and all those yeah, like you yeah, do you yeah. know them and that's that's not really having to to look for it like I think mm. a lot of the time in in women's sport you have to you have to actively seek it mm. and then you're like oh this is pretty good as opposed to just kind of being uh, like in your face is, yeah, is negative like yeah. but like you'll see it all the time and we're still getting like small little kind of mm. sections whatever but like I like one of the things that I would be com comparing with rugby and soccer is like yeah we, we have like the same amazing fans and I've played in some amazing places but when I was younger there was, now I didn't play rugby, but even now I wouldn't be able to pursue it professionally, um, not at the moment. Um, I c could possibly go to France or or Canada or, or, or England, but it would be, <coughs> I need to find a job first in that area and then I need to kind of find a house and it's all these little obstacles and, and with Louise like she was like oh like yeah Arsenal are sorting this out and rightly so and you're just like oh damn it like that's 
that's really cool. I want that. Mm. Like that's what that's what I love to not to see like you know Irish players leave Ireland, but at the moment like the the standard you, you kind of some at, and the way it's going, you need to go abroad to to get to get better. And um, like there's some some girls are over there now, and I was lucky enough to play um, over in England as well, and it was. It's so rewarding, and you'll talk to even players now that have retired that have done the same. So, like Lynn Cantwell would be, you know, a good one because it's you need to you need to be playing rugby day in day out and be training professional or semi professional at the moment to bring that back to Ireland and kind of raise the standard because that's what that's what she did, um, and you know, and and when Fiona was there and and other girls they like even though maybe Fiona didn't play in the Premiership they knew the level that they had to get to. Um, and now again, like I've said it before, but like the gap is widening, and mm. like we were in a really good position, we didn't use it to our advantage. So now we have to play catch up again. I'm like, I don't want to play catch up anymore. I want to be, I want to be up there. Mm. And I think that we're, teams are capable of doing that. Because I think ultimately as well, it's you want to, you go you go abroad and you want to play professionally because you want to succeed for your country. Yeah, and that's you, you know you want to just do anything possible, and sometimes there's just not the pathways to do it, and that's it. You have to go abroad, and and it, thankfully as well, you can see with the rugby that there, those pathways are becoming more available, and that now that you guys have to take them if you want to be up to that level. Yeah, like seeing England, New Zealand, and I'd, the levels. I'll, I'll wrap you up now, because you've been great for the last hour. Louise, talk to us about what has to be done against Norway, because um, France 2019 will be special. It's so, and you got Northern Ireland last then, so talk us through what, yeah. what needs to be done. But what are, what's your perspective as a, t as, a, as, a t as a team? Yeah, I just think ultimately it's, you know, you're going to be, you need results. We need to go for a win. Obviously, you know, maybe getting a draw might be able to help you there, but Ultimately, we're going to to win these games, and I think it's been something that you know, yeah, the Colin has been pushing for as well. That yeah, you need to be in full training all the time, and if you're not, then doing exactly what you need to what you need to do. But even there, the you know, the last few weeks, we you know got given homework to do to to watch watch Norway play and and to, to analyse already, so you know, already a couple of weeks coming into camp we've already got a, d a decent idea of what we can, you know, what we need to work with and I think that just already plants seeds in your head about how you want to play, so as soon as the Arsenal games were over for me, you know, straight away you're just clicked into, into Norway and being focused for that, so again, they're going to be slightly similar to the Dutch, it could be, you know, kind of how how we're going to set up, but ultimately, then I think there has to be for us. We've got to convert the chances we make into goals, and that's that's the way forward. And you know, and training with the girls the other day, they, you know, everyone seems set up and ready for it. You know, and I think hopefully as well, we're going to have a, a fully fit squad, which is something that's been, I think, you know, our a bit of a 
downfall during the season but we, the, again another massive barriers that we've overcome we, like a lot of the senior players getting injured Arnie being out for a while Steph being out for a while Harriet Scott you know it's just been ins and you know just coming days before games little Tyler Toland you know fantastic player 16 year old but she's a starting player for us broke her hand a few days before the Slovakia and the Dutch games like you know so it's just again just barriers are overcoming and just going in confident thinking and knowing that we can win the game ultimately and I think everyone has that good mindset and is turning into that maybe if they're even not playing professional but just getting that professional mindset and I think something that's that Colin has kind of set up for us and you know he's a, he's a winner and he hates to lose and I think we don't like him when we do lose because it's rough but that's you know it's a it's a great way to be when you're an athlete and you want to win so that's that's it yeah we'd be disappointed otherwise and you know we we want at this stage it's you know going for that playoff spot but for a playoff spot in to get into a world cup you know it just shows the distance that the Irish team has come in the last year and a half massive Pretty much done, like probably going to get something nice to eat now, yeah. pig out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Thanks for chatting to me in front of all these cameras. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks for having me. <laughs> this is the Sports Chronicle Podcast.